Welcome to the Expanded By Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea. I'm a business mentor, brain rewiring certified coach, and soon to be 7D, a high energy healer. On this podcast, we're going to be talking about all things business growth, spirituality, brain rewiring, mindset, energetics, and so much more. You can connect further with me on Instagram at expandwithchelsea and on YouTube at expandwithchelsea. I am so excited that you're here. I hope you leave today feeling expanded by what we talk about. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited that you are here. Wow, what a absolutely crazy last couple of weeks. This is actually the first time in probably my life, but definitely my business, that I made the decision to not only like pump the brakes on things, but to stop completely. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I don't have words yet for everything that happened and everything that went on. And I trust that when the timing is right, the words will come. But that definitely means that things are going to be changing around here. So this is really relevant because, hey, we're on the podcast right now. So the podcast will be coming out weekly, one episode every single week from here forward. And this will likely be on Thursdays, but honestly, it could be any day. The further that I get along in my business, the more that I realize that planning is actually, it's not only difficult, but it's actually not conducive to the quality of the material that I put out. So likely Thursday, there will also be bonus episodes if I feel like recording more that week or not, but you'll definitely be getting at least one episode per week. And in the near future, I'm going to be rebranding the podcast. I am brainstorming different names and there's going to be a lot of things happening and changing these last couple of weeks have, I mean, been a massive wake up call for me that I have been doing too much. It is true. I've been doing too much. And this is what I tell my clients all the time. You know, if you are feeling a little tired, burnt out, overwhelmed, you feel like you're being more reactive to things than usual, you just can't seem to catch up on things, things seem hard, it doesn't feel like it's in alignment, everything just feels difficult. Yeah, we probably don't need to do more. We probably need to do less. And You know, I've been actually having this conversation with my clients quite a bit lately and just kind of how motivated my clients are. It's so fucking impressive. But that also means on the flip side, and I'm really going through and experiencing this myself, because we're so motivated and we're able to push ourselves through things, not just physically, but mentally, in order to actually slow down big things need to happen. And those big things are not comfortable. They are usually the type of things where it is a full stop in order to get your attention to do things a different way. Because if it wasn't big enough, you wouldn't slow down. I mean, I'm sure you're, you're kind of feeling this as I'm talking where you've noticed, okay, yeah, like little things kind of tripped me up here and there, but I, I ultimately managed to push through. I'm talking about the caliber of events that make you just stop in your tracks and rethink your entire life. And you're like, what am I even doing? Restructuring everything. And I think a lot of the times that these events, the ones that do stop us in our tracks, they are the catalyst for change. Because again, we wouldn't notice it. We wouldn't quote, get it unless the event were so big to where we actually had to stop and do that reflection work. And not only stop and do the reflection work, but actually take time 
to figure out what it is that you do want, what it is that you want your reality to look like going forward. So those are some of my updates and I am hosting an event at the end of the month. I'm so, so excited. I honestly, I cannot wait to introduce you to Helen. I will be having an interview with her very, very soon. I'm so pumped to record it. Helen is incredible. She helps people become virtual assistants. She started out as a virtual assistant herself and then moved into the role of coach. She helps people create online courses, passive income. She is a brilliant businesswoman. I really feel that Helen is the perfect compliment to me because she is so good at the logistic and the technical side of things. Things that I am not quite that good at. I'm more of the, okay, let's take a couple steps back and look at it from this big picture. Not so much detail oriented. So I'm really excited to share more about this event with Helen as we get closer to the date, but just know that that is going to be coming up. I'm so excited. This is my first ever first ever collaboration and I couldn't be more excited that it's with Helen. So today's guest, I'm so excited to introduce you to Emma Dittmar. Emma has been my client on and off for the last couple of years now and just being able to see her progress throughout our time working together. I mean, she went from kind of like having this vision and like being really excited about things to now she has a full-on business. She has a full-on business. It's absolutely incredible. She is doing the work that she loves. She's working with people and really providing a safe space for marginalized communities. People that really need this type of support and help feel safe and comfortable going to her. And I honestly, I could not be more proud. Emma is the owner of Beta Body LLC. She is a climber. She's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. That is by the way, the hardest word for me to pronounce. Oh my gosh, we went back and forth a couple of times. I believe it was edited out of the interview, but I was like, yeah, I can't pronounce that word on the spot. (laughs) I'll work on it on my personal time. So I'm really proud of myself for actually getting that word right. And in today's episode, we talk all things climbing, training. I really just pick Emma's brain on her favorite lifts, ask her a ton of questions. I know you're absolutely going to love it. And before, just one more thing before we dive into today's interview, I want to announce the winner for the weekly giveaway. So as a reminder, if you tag me on Instagram, I am at expand with Chelsea and you just share a screenshot of the podcast episode that you were listening to, you'll be entered for the weekly giveaway where I'm going to be doing a customized Oracle card reading exactly for you. So whatever it is that you are maybe struggling with that you want help or support around, maybe you want to make a certain decision in your life, or you just want a little bit of clarity and direction. I have been loving, loving, loving giving these Oracle card readings to friends. I do one every single morning for myself. So you'll receive a video from me to you in your inbox around whatever it is that you would like some support around. So the first winner, oh my gosh, like drum roll, please. The first winner is Natalie. So Natalie, if you are listening, please go ahead and send me an email at hello at expandwithchelsea.com. Let me know what it is that you would like support around and I will be sending that Oracle card reading your way. I literally cannot wait to see what comes up for you. So Natalie, you are NG Wilderness Photography on Instagram. So go ahead, send me that email, pumped to support you. All right, let's go ahead and jump into this interview with Emma. I know you're absolutely going to love it. Hello, Emma, and welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here. So for my audience who might not have met you yet, can you give us a little bit of background on yourself? I'm so, so excited to dive into your history and ask you questions all about strength training, jujitsu, all the good stuff. Thank you so much. I am super excited to be here. Um, I have been 
training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, otherwise usually known as BJJ for over 10 years now. So that's my longest running activity that I do. Um, and a handful of years ago, I always forget, it's probably like four or five years ago, um, some friends from the Latin and salsa dancing community that I know and I'm really close with invited me to go climbing. And one day I just eventually, they got through to me and I was like, all right, I set up my initial intro day and I've been hooked on doing that ever since. I love it. I love it. I love that uh, climbing came second to that as well. And I can already tell, I mean, you're just such a multi-passionate person too. Like you couldn't just do one thing. I love that you have all of these different interests. So what about climbing kind of hooked you in, really made you want to keep going with it? Yeah, it's, I really love that question. And I love thinking about it because I have like considered that a lot about why I like it so much. Because um, some things, you know, it can be hard to explain why you really get into them and why they really stuck around. But for climbing, for me, it's really clear. Um, when I got to the point that I'd been doing jujitsu for so long, um, and it will always be something I love to do, always be something that's challenging in other ways, but I didn't have that kind of, when you're new to something, you have a little bit of fear, a little bit of trepidation, and it challenges you mentally in a way that you might not get challenged when you've been doing something for a very long time. Um, and so I was looking for something to give me a bit more of that challenge. And so after I tried climbing and I'd been doing it after the intro class and after for about a week or two, it really stuck with me that this is something that really gives me this extra push that jujitsu didn't give me anymore. It gives me a fear mentally that I can work on, that I can address, that I can try to push through. Um, very much like jujitsu, it is a full body experience. And very much like jujitsu, it requires all of your attention. So there's no space for me to be worrying about other things, to have other things occupying my mind. It is all focused on like the task that's ahead of me. Um, so it was so similar to jujitsu that I liked it right away, but then I've kept coming back because it gives me that extra challenge that I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like you really have to be in the present moment. You can't be yeah, thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow right. or what you did <laughs> yesterday. Like, I don't know about anybody else, but I, I can't really climb when I'm only like 50% there. It's just I need all of my attention at what I'm doing. Exactly. Yeah, it works for me such a very similar way. Like sometimes I get more nervous if I'm climbing stuff that's a little bit more accessible for me, a little bit um, where I'm not having to focus as much or try as hard, that's when I actually get really nervous climbing <laughs> because then other thoughts have space to kind of creep in. Yep, exactly. So I'm so curious too, what got you into jujitsu? What got you into jujitsu in the first place? Yeah, that was so long ago. Um, I was first introduced to it when I was in high school, like near the end of high school, I was training Taekwondo. And one of my instructors, his brother often trains, trained Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And so he came in and was able to show us some stuff. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. I enjoyed it, but I wasn't quite stuck into it yet. And then flash forward just a little bit to, I think it was the summer after my freshman year of college, and I started training again that summer, and it really just hooked me in really seriously. And so before I went back to 
um, before I went back to college for my sophomore year, I was looking up places. I ended up connecting with somebody and they were like, yeah, come and check us out. And from my sophomore year of college on, that's how long I've been training. It just, it kept me in. I love it. I love it. I've always been curious and I've always wanted to try. So what would you say to someone like me and maybe somebody that's listening that is interested in it, but maybe we don't quite know what exactly is involved. We don't really know, you know, like what makes it different than Taekwondo? Yeah, it's the thing that makes it really different from a lot of other things. The most similar thing to it that I can kind of give people an idea of is wrestling. Um, it's like wrestling. If you have um, joint locks, chokes, um, it's often referred to as submission grappling. So a lot of it is done on the floor, on the ground, not as much standing up. Um, you can incorporate judo takedowns that are popular in wrestling into it, but it is largely something that is done grappling on the ground. Um, so that's what distinguishes it from a lot of other things. If you watch like a mixed martial arts fight um, or a UFC fight and you see them like take each other down to the ground and start um, what will look like wrestling on the ground or they're trying to choke each other, that's where the jujitsu is coming in. Um, and if people are wanting to start, it can be hard to start. It's can be kind of awkward or uncomfortable to just show up at a gym, not really know what you're in for. The great thing is if you even just Google in your area, Brazilian jiu-jitsu gyms or academies, a ton of places will have websites now where you can enter in your information and you can have anything from a free set intro session. So you can check the place out, get a feel for it. Or some places even offer like a free week of training. So you really get over time, you can see if you vibe with the instruction if you feel safe there, if you feel like the instructors and the students and just the entire environment there feels supportive of what you're looking for. Um, that's something that's really nice that a lot of places now offer. Um, something that does help is if you happen to know anybody who's in the jujitsu scene or who's been to a lot of gyms, you can ask them and they'll often be able to refer you to places that they love, that they feel comfortable with. Um, so word of mouth is an even better way in my experience to get a feel for places. But if you're just starting out and you don't have any of those connections, um, I would say try more than one gym. If there's more than one gym in your area, even if you really like the first place, give two or three at least a shot and then compare them and see how you felt at each. I love that. Yeah, really giving people, I mean, not that they need it, but it's a reminder and permission to, to really be in that environment that supports you as a person and you don't have to just settle for you know like something that doesn't <laughs> doesn't feel good in your body and I know that Emma you've done some self-defense seminars for climbers is this is BJJ something that you teach in those or is that different yeah so I just did one um pretty recently and it's a little bit different because I put a little bit more of an emphasis on a little on a more holistic view of self-defense. So it's not just grappling. Um, I go over some situational awareness tips and some striking basics and some basis of if maybe you get pushed on the ground and your attacker is still up or if you're both on the ground. Um, so it covers a little bit more of a wide breath and it goes far less in depth than I would say in a jujitsu class. Um, because I want things to be as accessible as possible in a single, uh, in one single seminar. It can be, it's really hard to get across, you know, there's so many different situations that you could be 
be that you could find yourself in. Um, and so it's, it's hard to cover all the bases. So I try to keep things as general and as simple as possible. Yeah. And you got me really excited to take something like a self-defense seminar just because, yeah, I mean, obviously we never want anybody to be in these situations, but they could happen. And I think having those life skills essentially, and that knowledge could be really helpful. I mean, what was some of the the feedback that you got from the seminar that you did? Well, the feedback was really great. I was blown away by how many people showed up. It was, it made me feel really good. Uh, Yeah, everybody seemed to have a really good time. They enjoyed it. They found it empowering, which is the key word that usually comes up when um, I've taught or either I've taught alone or helped teach seminars like this is a lot of uh, women just haven't had a chance to like, to really like hit some stuff Mm -hmm. or to be given some tools that they can practice over time and remember uh, and keep like and sharpen as part of their toolkit for something that they can do if they find themselves in a situation. Um, They can go from not knowing what to do to at least having something that they feel like they can use Mm -hmm. um, if they find themselves in a situation that's undesirable and being able to have at least something that you've, that you've tried, or you at least know what it feels like to hit like a pad that someone's holding for you as hard as you can. Just being able to feel your body respond and move in those ways can be incredibly empowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like that is the the key descriptor there and just having kind of that, that peace of mind that, you know what, again, yep, not wanting to find myself in this situation, but if it does happen, then I'm going to be at least more prepared than I would have been. Exactly. Yeah. And something that I do try to stress too, is that if people are going to um, use maybe seminars instead of ongoing classes, and I know this is also an issue of access, um, maybe people don't have gyms around them. It can be an issue of access financially, if people are not able to pay monthly or yearly dues for gyms, all of that comes into play. So if virtual or in-person seminars free or not are the main way you do it, I encourage people to find a group, find a friend, keep going back to either video you've taken of the seminar or the virtual videos for self-defense you take online and practice. Continue practicing over time because your muscle memory is going to absorb those techniques. And the best way to make sure that you're as ready as possible if something does happen is to make sure that your muscles, your body, um, know and you don't have to think too hard or think too long before having to execute something. Um, So practicing over time consistently is the best way to make sure that you are actually prepared. Mm -hmm. So it just becomes a reflex at that point. So and Emma is located in Michigan. So if any of you are local to Michigan, I'm sure Emma would be more than happy to point you towards a facility, um, either with the self-defense or with BJJ that you could potentially get started with. And I want to ask you a little bit about becoming a certified personal trainer. Um, So what kind of sparked that decision for you? Yeah, I have always been probably obvious since I'm so in love with jujitsu and doing very physically demanding things. Um, I've also been lifting for quite a while, been um, using weights and doing circuit training for a while, especially for jujitsu when I was more competitive. Um, And the pandemic was a great 
it, you know, it, it's, it's a completely awful situation. And at the same time, I was working from home and all of my activities that I like to do, the climbing gym was shut down, jujitsu was shut down, uh, dancing was shut down. And so I was working at home and then not leaving or doing anything else. And so I wanted to feel like in control of my life again, one. And at the same time, I'm not very happy with my job and I want to be doing something that feels more fulfilling and I want to be helping people in a way that I feel like I can and so I ended up studying throughout most of 2020 to get my personal trainer certification and I believe in October of 2020 I passed my exam and got certified and very shortly after that, I think we were working together nope. and you were, yeah, you were a huge, I, I could not have done it or done it nearly as quickly as I could have without you. It was the best investment that I've made since getting my certification and like got my LLC filed, um, went through the steps that I needed to become a legit business and it's been going on from there. Yes. And it's so exciting. So the name of your business is Beta Body. And I want you to tell us a little bit more about that name because I know it means a lot to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had been struggling to come up with something that felt and, and sounded right. It needed to be both. And I feel like it can be hard to find a medium yes. between those two. And Beta Body, I mean, it's alliterative, which I think sounds great. So that was a plus. But I wanted Beta to be in it specifically because everybody in climbing, we're all different heights, different sizes. We have different areas of our strength. Maybe some people, their footwork is good. Some people have incredible walk-off power. Um, and so our beta for climbs is usually very different between people. Some people might be pretty similar. Some people might climb something incredibly different um, based on their skill level or their body type. And so for me, beta body is that there's every body has its own beta for what works best for them. People are not going to climb in the same way. People are not going to move in the same way. They're also not going to lift and strength train in the same way or start from the same starting point. And so for me, that name emphasizes that I need to respect everybody's individual beta for their individual bodies, for their individual person. And that includes what they want as well, beyond the physical, the beta that works best for them mentally, emotionally, how much time they have. Uh, so it's a reminder to me more than anything to make sure that I'm not taking a one-size-fits-all approach with everybody and making sure that every person who comes to me is getting very specific, very individualized care. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that. So you mainly do strength training, and I know that you have a long history of lifting. What benefits do you see, I mean, for yourself and your clients, weightlifting and climbing? There's so many. <laughs> like, where do I start? <laughs> yeah. um, for me, it, it covers so many great bases, and um, especially if you're a woman or someone who is prone to bone density issues later in life or osteoporosis, it is incredible for maintaining and improving your bone density over time. That's something that's very important for longevity over time. Um, and just having 
a stronger body that is more resilient to the stresses of life and to the athletic things that we're doing regularly will keep you away from injuries for longer. Of course, nothing is 100% going to keep you away from injuries forever. Stuff happens, but um, it makes it a lot less likely that you'll be injured doing specific movements or certain movements. Um, it makes sure it makes it so that later in life, as you get older, you're going to be able to maintain independence for as long as possible. It's gonna let you continue to climb or do whatever activities that you like to do as long as possible as you age. Um, and to be honest, one of the things that makes me feel good to do it too is what it the boost of endorphins that it gives me mentally. It makes me feel really good. It makes me feel really strong. And I like lifting in a way that also changes the way my body looks in that I gain muscle, I gain mass. I like looking like a big beefy lady and that makes <laughs> me super happy. I want to be like muscular and intimidating. And I think trying to build that physique is something that makes me feel really powerful and really good. And that mindset then flows into the other things that I do. It makes me feel good when I'm climbing. It makes me feel capable. And when that mindset shifts to something that's more positive, then the activities that I'm using my newfound strength in come easier. I have less brain space to be filled with negative things mm -hmm. I think that that's the my favorite thing that's ever been said on the podcast I just like <laughs> to mark this moment I was like fuck yes that was excellent so if you could only pick two or three different strength training exercises you know for the people that are listening like it is really important to have good form so working with somebody to make sure that your form is correct or referring to YouTube videos if you aren't working with somebody, but you know, making sure that you're doing these things right. Emma, if you could pick two or three different strength training activities, what would they be? Awesome. I love this question so much. It's, oh, it's so hard for me to get like, down to two pick. or three. <laughs> okay, I think I'll have to go with three, but one squats for sure. Um, another one, I need to have something pressing in there. I would say bench press and then the other one, deadlifts. Okay. I yeah. love it. And tell me a little bit more about how those are beneficial for climbing. I mean, a lot of us might, you know, see how, okay, yeah, squats could be helpful for jumping, but what about the bench press? Oh my God. Bench press is awesome. Um, a lot of climbing that we do involves our pulling muscles. Um, so it is incredible to have some antagonistic training for your pressing but there's also pressing moves that are in climbing too. Like I feel like sometimes people forget about their mantles and their stemming and being able to have that power in your anterior pressing muscles is also like very applicable for climbing. I feel like, or when you're topping out something, you know, like if you need to like beach whale your way up like a, a really hard top out or be able to mantle out like safely on top of a ledge, your pressing muscles are gonna be there for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you need them. I'm like thinking back to like last week when I was climbing in Leavenworth and like every every crux was the mantle and I was like, well, <laughs> my triceps are sore. So I guess I need to train a little bit more. What about the deadlift? I feel like the deadlift is one of the best all around strengthening lifts out there, especially for your posterior chain. It's just such a great lift to really strengthen your core, really strengthen 
your, your, I mean, your hamstrings, your glutes, your core is activated. You're also pulling, you're like locking off your arms to make this amazing pull up. It, to me, feels like my entire body is activated from my feet trying to push off the ground to my hands, trying to like maintain my grip as you get higher and higher in weight. It's this amazing all around like strengthening lift that I think also feels really good. I've had two clients now individually unprompted tell me that like their favorite is the deadlift. And when they're Mm -hmm. doing deadlifts, they feel incredibly powerful. And it's like this amazing brain boost. So beyond being able to like really strengthen your posterior chain, I feel like it protects my back more than anything when I'm done. Um, At the same time, being something that like, I think it gives the rush of endorphins like no other. Oh, absolutely. You're like, (laughs) I just lifted that off the ground. I am a badass and I can pretty much lift up a person. Um, I want to talk. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I want to talk a little bit then about weight. So I think a lot of people, they're like, okay, yep, you got me. I'm going to start doing the strength training thing. They might be tempted to start out, you know, I don't want to say too low, but maybe they're afraid to add bulk to their body or they're worried Mm -hmm. they're going to get heavier from lifting. So what is the way that you guide your clients through, you know, upping the reps in a way that's progressively overloaded for their body? You know, we're not like trying to go ham right from the beginning, but what is the way that you guide your clients through increasing the weight when they're doing these exercises? Yeah, I think there's definitely a little bit of a misconception or misinformation that society at large has pressed onto us that especially if you're a woman and you start lifting heavier weights that you yourself are going to be gaining this like unsightly muscle or you're going to get uh, like big muscles and ripped in a way that maybe you don't want. And everybody is completely entitled to want to look the way they want, like, That's only up to the person and their individual body and wants. But I think it is important to keep in mind, too, that gaining mass is, for the grand majority of people, very, very difficult. Um, And so, like, for me, I am personally trying to, like, put on muscle mass. I want to look, like, big muscles, really cut. Um, And a lot of women don't want to have, like, the quote-unquote, like, the big, bulky muscles. And I am actively working really hard to get those. And it is a very difficult thing to do. Like, I feel like unless you're genetically predisposed to that somehow, it's very, very hard. Like you have to be eating in a surplus or caloric surplus, and you have to be lifting in a way that's going to like put you into a state of hypertrophy at the same time. So it's like, it's not just the lifting. It's like, you have to be like planning your caloric intake and eating at a surplus um, so it's a bit more of a complicated and multifaceted thing than I think it's given credit for. Um, so I definitely try to dispel a little bit of that myth where it's like, I would, pr- if you were wanting to put on muscle mass, I would also like, you know, direct you to like a nutritionist at the same time, because it's not just about the weightlifting. It's about the nutrition. It's about your like keeping your stress levels under account. Like there's a lot more things that go to it instead of like just the weight. Um, and yeah, it's, I think it's just a little bit harder to actually get to that stage than maybe people realize. 
Mm-hmm. I'm nodding my head over here as, <laughs> as you're speaking because I'm like, yeah, it's actually like pretty difficult. So in terms of let's let's take, for example, then the deadlift, you know, finding people's starting point. What do you kind of recommend? Let's say somebody wanted to get into deadlifting. What would be like a good goal? And again, everybody has different goals within this, but what would be kind of something for them to work towards when they're increasing their weights? Yeah. Uh I tend to be pretty conservative when I start with people. Um, and again, it can depend on if somebody is pretty new or completely new to weightlifting, then I will start even more conservatively. If they have a background in or are kind of familiar with lifting, then I start a little bit differently. But for maybe each of these like two groups of people to generalize very greatly, maybe for the person who is very new to lifting and has never done a structured program before in their life, I would maybe be like, here's a 10 pound weight, a dumbbell or a kettlebell, show them um, what the movement is supposed to look like and start there, maybe doing it twice a week and that's it. And then see how they feel after one or two weeks of training. And if they feel good, if there's no like major soreness and they're recovering well and they want to move up, then we would move up progressively from there. Maybe I would add it up like another five to 10 pounds and move very gradually. And then maybe if somebody is familiar with lifting and they're an athlete doing a lot of stuff right now, so their body already has a good baseline to start from, then maybe I would suggest that if they've got like a trap or a hex bar nearby or a barbell um, that's like 45 pounds, then they don't start with any added weight, but they start with just the bar weight. Um, See how that goes for like six to eight reps, maybe. Again, like two days a week starting. And then if things are feeling good after a week and there's none of that soreness or feeling a lot of DOMS, um, then we start to progressively add plates on from there. Um, But I do tend to be quite gradual um, because I also want people to continue, even if they decide to stop working with me, to be able to continue over time. Um, And I want them to have an idea of like how to progressively overload. And I think upping things, especially for a compound move like a deadlift, there's so much of your body into it. It's not like trying to do a bicep curl where moving up in weight is can be very, very difficult. Um, when you're first starting out a program, your body adapts pretty well. Um, your neuromuscular system will adapt first, and then as your muscle grows, um, you can add a little bit more on a t- at a time for stuff like deadlifts and squats. So I'd be like, move up five to 10 pounds. We'll see how it goes. And Sometimes I can even accelerate it from there. If they're doing really, really well, maybe we'll move up 10 to 15 pounds and see how that feels. Um, But it's important for people to also be able to tune in every day, even if they lifted, let's say, 145 for a deadlift one day, and they try it the next day and it feels really hard, then maybe bump it back down to 130 or 135 or even lower if that's what your body needs. So you can keep progressively overloading, but always making sure to reevaluate day by day. Yeah, absolutely. I was when you were saying that last part about it feeling heavy the next day, I was like, oh, I feel that. There are some days where I'm like, <laughs> man, I am so strong. And then other days where I'm like, yeah, this isn't happening. And we're just gonna bump it down because what's the rush? You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. I had like kind of recently, like I had hit my big goal of like deadlifting 200 pounds. And I was like, this is super exciting. And I haven't even, I haven't really broken into 180 or 190 again. Like this past week, all I could handle was like uh, doing 135 to 155. And that's what my body could handle. So 
I also would say like, just be patient with yourself. And even um, if you've been doing a dedicated program like me, there are going to be times where you max out or, and maybe you went a little too far. You didn't hurt yourself, but your body is like, okay, now we got to take a step back. Yep. That's also going to happen. Yes. Yeah. It's that ebb and flow of performance too. And not always expecting your body to be performance ready. Like it's just completely unreasonable to put that pressure on your body to always perform at its best. Exactly. I am so excited to tell you all about one of my new favorite products. And as an added bonus, you use it on your face. I have been looking for a face wash. I feel like, swear to God, it's been since I was a teenager. I remember when I was younger, I used to really love the Body Shop and all of the face products that I was using for there, they really dried my skin out. I couldn't quite find one that was a good match for my skin. And then I just gave up altogether. I was like, well, okay, I guess I'm just not gonna use it then because I just didn't, it wasn't working. It was actually making my skin worse. Okay, now I'm 30 and I I feel like I should have a face routine. This is something that not only is going to bring me joy, be part of my bedtime routine, but I really wanted to start taking better care of my skin. So I started on the search for a new face wash. Seems rather simple, right? But it actually took me down a rabbit hole. I tried a ton of different products, different clean, I'll put that in quotes because we know sometimes clean doesn't always mean clean ingredients. That's a pretty broad word that the uh, skincare industry is able to use. And I still, I still didn't find one that I loved. It took me months before I stumbled across Clear Stem. Their mission is to create clear skin from the inside out. If you have acne prone skin, if you have dry skin, they make products for you. I'm so excited that I found their gentle, clean, calming wash. This sincerely has changed my life. This smells so good. It leaves my face feeling clean, but not too clean to where it has dramatically over overdried my skin. Did you know that if you have overly dry skin that can actually lead to breakouts? I had no idea. So when I started using the gentle clean face wash, I read the instructions on the back and I realized, oh my God, I've been washing my face wrong my entire life. I've been using way too hot of water and this has just been such a game changer. The gentle clean face wash can also remove makeup, which is a massive plus in my book because let's face it, I don't need a 45 minute nighttime routine where I am taking off my makeup, doing all of these things. I really just need something that does it all in one. I cannot recommend this face wash enough. I absolutely love it. And the ingredients are non-pore clogging. You would be surprised how many anti-acne and anti-aging products out there actually use pore clogging ingredients. What I really love about ClearStem is you can actually go to their website and you can search ingredients and see if they are pore clogging or not. I did that with a ton of my makeup that I've been using and let's just say I'm definitely gonna be switching in the near future. Now I just need ClearStem to come out with a makeup line and I am good to go. I am such a fan of everything that they do. The founders are women, so it's a women-owned business and I 
adore spending my money with women-owned businesses. If you are curious and want to try out ClearStem products for yourself, I have tried every one of their products. I own them all. And this is the only, the only skincare company that I use and trust. I know that they're not going to make me break out. My skin looks amazing. This is the best skin that I've ever had. And I'm 30. If you are curious and want to try out their products, you can use my code CHELSEA, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, for 10% off at checkout. All you have to do is go to clearstemskincare.com, search any of their products. Again, I am really, really loving the Gentle Clean Cleanser. I am seriously in love with this stuff. You can also use it as a body wash and use that code CHELSEA for 10% off your order. If you're anything like me, you might find it kind of hard to drink plain water. I know it's good for me. I know I should do it, but I just don't really want to. It's not very uh, inspiring to drink, if you will. So I've been drinking a lot more Organifi, specifically the green juice. Holy shit, I am obsessed with this stuff. I am so, so glad that I tried it out with some non-dairy almond milk because this is a total game changer. It's creamy, it's a little bit sweet, it's minty, it's got tons and tons of health benefits and all wrapped up into one little serving of drink powder. Super, super easy to make. I love putting a scoop of this into my almond milk, shaking it up, putting it in the fridge and drinking it mid-morning when I need that little energy boost, particularly around my workouts or if I'm going to go train. And it has just been such a little treat that I look forward to every single day. Let me tell you, if you were to mix all of these ingredients in individually, whoa, A, that would be super messy, B, it would be very time consuming, and C, it would probably be a lot more expensive than just buying this container. I like hitting the easy button, not gonna lie. I don't need to do everything the hard way. And with ingredients like wheatgrass, moringa, spirulina, chlorella, matcha powder, ashwagandha, red beet powder, turmeric, you really can't go wrong. With 11 different superfoods inside here, green juice is perfect for supporting your body, supporting your stress response, and getting more nutrients in during the day. That is definitely a win-win-win in my mind. So if you are curious about it and want to try out some Organifi for yourself, I highly recommend the green juice. I love all of Organifi's products, but I am particularly obsessed with this one right now. You can go ahead and use the code EXPAND at checkout to save 15% off, which is pretty significant. And while you're at it, if you are looking for some healthier hot chocolate, I would highly recommend the Harmony blend. Oh my God, it's so good. It is so good. I literally look forward to <laughs> a mug of that every single night. I just put a little bit of non-dairy creamer in there, some collagen for some additional health benefits and the glycine that can also support sleep. And I am good to go happy as a little clam. So again, you can use code EXPAND for 15% off your order. If you do go ahead and order be sure to tag me in your instagram stories so i can see what you got and see how much you're loving the products 
I'm really curious because I think you're really great at verbalizing this, but what tips would you give someone? I mean, let's, let's focus on women and other marginalized communities for getting more comfortable in the weight room and taking up all the space. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> getting comfortable in the weight room. It can be really intimidating at first for, I think some different reasons. Um, the main reasons that I find that people feel intimidated and all of these are a hundred percent valid. And I have felt them all the time. And even like me who I'm lifting a lot, if I go to a new gym, I'm not familiar with, I will feel the intimidation at some level too. Um, one of it is being familiar, just familiar with the gym or weightlifting space. Um, if you have not done a lot of lifting weights in a gym or, um, or been in that kind of space before, it's going to be unfamiliar and things that are unfamiliar to us are just going to feel awkward. Um, along that same vein, if people are new to lifting in general, um, then on top of being in an unfamiliar gym or space, if you aren't familiar with the equipment or don't know what the equipment does or how to use it, or let's say how to like change what height the rack is for being able to do your squats, that's going to feel really intimidating. And maybe you're not going to be able to do the things that you wanted to do or in your program because you, and gyms have different equipment for the same things too. So it can be intimidating to find someone and ask for help because people don't want to feel embarrassed either. Um, and then alongside that too, um, a lot of gym spaces can tend to be hyper-masculine spaces. Um, not every space is like that. Not every gym is going to be like that for sure, but they're, you know, in general, it's, even if it's not the case in reality, a lot of gyms, um, you walk in, to them with the feeling of like, oh, this is like a place for bros, or this is like a really hyper-masculine space. And so it can feel uncomfortable. And there are definitely like very uncomfortable and uncalled for and unwarranted situations that do happen to women or femmes in those kind of spaces too. So having that knowledge that things can happen can also make people feel a bit of trepidation to go into the gym, especially if they're alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember when I first started lifting, I was like, nope, we are, yeah. <laughs> we are walking out that door because this is super uncomfortable. And I don't want to like, I felt like, because I was, you know, one of the only women in there, I felt like I was just being stared at. And right. not just that, but like judged and automatically almost put in this category of like, oh, she must not know what she's doing. Right. Yep. And that does not feel good. Like you're, you're not going to want to be there. You're going to want to leave. Um, you're gonna not be able to get your workout in, which really sucks. Like, it's just a, not a good headspace or environment to feel in for sure. Mm -hmm. So I know you work a lot on that with your clients. Um, what would you say to someone who's like, okay, yep, I'm committed to learning the exercises and the equipment, but I still feel like a little bit nervous about going into these spaces? Yeah, something that can help a lot is um, if there are people that I'm able to work with in person, um, which thankfully is increasingly becoming a reality, yep. um, then I'll be like, especially if they really feel uncomfortable, then I'll be like, I will go with you. I'm going to go with you and we will, if neither of us know how to work the equipment, we'll figure it out together. I'll go ask the person who's at the front desk, um, one of the employees, and we will figure it out together. Um, so being able to go with someone or ask if they have a friend that will go with them 
really power is honestly in numbers in these spaces. And if you have at least one person who's there with you, it's going to take a lot of the pressure off, or you'll at least have solidarity with someone with you. You're not going to be facing any potential uh, like circumstance that may happen alone. Um, so having your coach with you or having a at least one buddy with you can be a great way to feel a little bit more comfortable and less nervous. Uh, something else that I think is a great thing to do is to encourage your clients to start making a connection or forming a relationship with people who work at that gym. And as a disclaimer too, if those people seem disinterested in helping you or they're, you know, if you think that they're judging you as the people who work there, then maybe that isn't the gym for you. And it's okay to like start looking for somewhere else. Like you should never feel pressure to stay in a space or an environment that does not feel right or safe for you. Um, but if those people are super open to helping you um, and they feel good to talk to, then if you're not sure how to use some of the equipment, getting familiar with it right away, being able to ask them how to use the equipment, how do I reset, how do I reset this? How do I use it? Um, especially for machines or racks. Um, then they can show you how to use it or they can find somebody who knows how to use it. Um, just being familiar with the equipment and how to adjust it for you specifically is also going to let you walk into the gym with a sense of know-how. You'll be a lot more confident in your ability to go in and get done what you need to get done because you know how to use all the equipment for what you need to do for your exercises. Um, yeah, I think those are a couple of really good things that can help out. Something that helps me personally out, and I think a lot of other people who lift, um, is to keep in mind that, and of course, like there's the creepos, there's the people who just won't mind their own fucking business, but um, something that can help with that is to try and keep in mind that the grand majority of other people there are really just trying to focus on their own lifting. The majority of people you see lifting in the gym, they've got their earbuds in, they've got their headphones on, they're largely focused on getting their own work done. And that's kind of what I do too. Like I have my headphones on me every time I go to the gym. That's another great tactic for keeping in your zone. Make a playlist with music that gets you really hyped and focused and have that playing the entire time that you're there. It'll help drown out the noise around you. It'll help you keep, or keep more hyper-focused on what you're doing. And there won't be as much mental space for you know, your brain trying to think, oh, like, what are they doing? Are they judging me? Are they, are they making fun of me? Like, there's just not as much space for that noise. If you've got music on and you're reminding yourself that you're there to do your workout, you're there to take care of what you need to do. And that's like the best thing that you can do for yourself. And you can kind of stay in that zone unless, you know, something happens and someone gets in your space or someone gets in your face. And then that's something to address. But if things are relatively chill, and no one's all up in your space, then I think those are some great ways that you can make yourself a little bit more comfortable in the gym. Mm -hmm. And you'll probably end up deadlifting harder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the more consistently you show up to spaces too, like the more consistency, consistently that you're there, um, especially if you're going at the same times, you're going to see the same people. You're going to come across the same people, no matter how small or large the gym is. And there's a good chance that you're going to make some connections. Like, there's like a post I'm hoping to get out actually kind of soon. That's like, there's now a couple guys that I don't know who they are. Like I, I'm not really acquaintances or friends with them. I 
um, don't even really know their names, but I've asked both of them to spot me for benching now because I've seen them around or we've established some kind of like very amicable communication. And I, even though I don't know them, I'm like, Hey, can you spot me? And so like the more you have people around, um, that you kind of see in the gym space and if they're cool and you know, you guys have just been existing in each other's general space without any hard feelings or any weird situations come up being able to just have, you know, very basic communication with people can also make you feel way more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit about kind of this notion that people, you know, probably not intentionally, but they might have in their minds that, oh, I have to climb a certain level or I have to already be at least this strong in order to train for climbing. Right. Yeah, I, (laughs) I would say I'm not even really that great of a climber (laughs) and I'm having a great time lifting and it has only helped my climbing. Um, It has only helped me climb for longer periods of time. It's only served to make my grip and my fingers stronger. It's helped me be able to do, you know, whenever on all the slab sets where they set that high foot. So you basically have to do a pistol squat on one leg. That's a lot easier after doing squats. Um, You do not have to be at a high level or at a certain level at any point to start lifting. And if you think about it this way too, if you start lifting and making your body stronger and more capable of doing the things you want to do as early as possible, then it can only accelerate um, the things that will open up to you and become more accessible for climbing. The the stronger you are, the more things that you can climb, or at least if you don't want to climb higher grades for whatever reason, there's a bunch of reasons as to why someone uh, would not want to or be able to do that then at least you're letting yourself climb for a longer period of time or over the years, you'll be able to keep climbing for longer. Um, And I think being able to have longevity and as injury-free time and climbing as possible is something that we're all striving for. Um, So you don't have to be at a certain baseline. You could just be starting climbing tomorrow and start your lifting regimen at the same exact time. They can only feed off each other and make each other better. Yeah, absolutely. And I would probably recommend working with somebody at that point, because otherwise you're probably going to be really, really sore. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Like we're not getting off the couch, like maybe a couple of days sore. So that's, yeah, definitely where it helps to have somebody either there with you or writing programming specifically for you. Right. Yeah. It's, it's never a good feeling when you're so sore from your lifting workout that you actually can't do the other activities that you wanted to. (laughs) Right, right. You're like, this is the whole point in the first place. Right. So I'm really curious, and I'd love for you to share your story and your um, experience with this, but I know that you are really passionate about serving marginalized genders and gender identities. So what kind of got you interested in that in the first place? You know, why does that population speak to you? Um, I really want to work with people who are either women or have other marginalized gender identities because I feel like, you know, how we kind of touched on before, lifting and lifting gyms in general can feel like very hyper-masculine spaces. And even though climbing is becoming um, more diverse in so many ways, there is still an incredible amount of work to be done. And it can still feel like um, very masculine spaces at time. And so my focus is 
there is so much out there and catered for that group of people who've been the focus for so long that I want to be almost exclusively focused on the group of people who have not had the focus on them for so long or have not been given spaces to be able to exist without feeling targeted or creeped on or like they can't be completely themselves or safe or not be made to feel small or stupid or judged in some way and the list you know it goes on and on and I want to be able to work for those people and for them to know that I am working for them with them in mind Mm -hmm. yeah you were one of the the first people that I worked with that was so confident that you already knew who you wanted to work with. Like it was no question. I didn't have to sit there and tell you about like, Hey, actually niching down might be a good option. You were like, Nope, this is, this is who I want to work (laughs) with. Like I'm, I'm sure of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, this is going to be preached into the choir for a lot of people out there, but so many of these spaces are just so, you know, obviously made by, made for, and dominated by, like, heteronormative, cisgendered white men, and that can't be the case anymore. Yeah, and so, yeah. <laughs> the change is here. It makes me, it makes me really excited. So, I'd love to hear, um, I really, really enjoy watching your stories on Instagram. I remember one specifically about gate keeping and grades in climbing so I'd love to hear kind of some of your you know maybe we'll like call it pet peeves but just the things that you see in the climbing community that you're like nope this this does not need to be a thing yeah especially on that gatekeeping piece it was like really making me pretty mad (laughs) Uh, because I feel like there's an incredible vein of elitism that just runs through climbing and again I have I'm still overall like a complete baby to the climbing sphere but it was like very clear to me like very quickly and especially after I started following a lot of like climber pages on social media that there is and I mean media that's made like movies and real rock and stuff that focuses on climbing like a lot of it's very fun but it's almost exclusively focused on the elitist of elite climbers and their like huge crazy projects which of course is like you know very inspiring to a lot of people and it's like at the highest level of stuff which can be really cool to watch but like 99% of climbers like we're not doing that we're not climbing like you know over like b15 boulders and (laughs) like amazing high balls and you know 515 514d climbs like that's just not the majority of climbers Mm -hmm. and I feel like a lot of the media that's put out there a lot of the sentiments put out there are that if you are not either climbing at incredibly high levels or striving to eventually climb at high levels and I think that one is a main sticking point if you're not working towards constant improvement and improvement in this case being higher and higher and higher grades, then you are a fake climber or you don't belong there or your goals don't matter. And it's like, that's what it feels like being in this space. It feels like that's the only major goal that's pushed toward is to do the 
next biggest thing, the next highest grade, and it just keeps going and going and going forever, and there's, like, no end to it. Um, And it's, like, there's got to be other goals, and there's got to be, like, other things that make people want to stay here because, you know, the majority of us have, like, we're not sponsored full-time athletes. We can't spend all day, every day training for climbing. Like, for a lot of people, that's their job is to – strength train and climbing train and go perform outdoors and that's what they are paid to do and what their lifestyle is and the majority of us don't do that or don't have that we work nine to fives and we're able to you know get into the gym or maybe outdoors if we live really close to a crag or some great boulders and then are able to do stuff on the weekends and we just don't have that kind of time that kind of professional support from I'm sure like dedicated teams of trainers and nutritionists and like (laughs) yeah and we just we don't have that and there's got to be something else for us and it's to me it's like an ableist issue too it's like not everybody is going to have the physical ability to be climbing by 14s or they climb in different ways or they might not be ever able to safely lead it it's you know, it, it just makes it, me feel like people are just going to shit on anybody without thinking about their situation or the multitude of reasons for why they may not even just want to be doing that as a goal. Mm-hmm. So what are some of your personal favorite ways to, you know, either measure improvement or like, hey, wow, yeah, like all the time that I'm putting into this thing is it's it's really, you know, it's paying off without, you know, that constant goal of like, wow, I just need to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. What are your favorite ways to measure kind of like success that don't have to do with the grades and what you're sending? Yeah, a, a lot for me, a lot of it is mental. Um, because I have so much fear personally around climbing, for me, a great success could be a day where maybe I only climbed like three things, but two of those three things were leads in which I took some practice falls. Or maybe I didn't even take a practice fall, but I tied in and I committed to doing like a very short, like basically warm up grade lead route for me. And that's for me success. Like I've projected harder things on lead before, but that's not where I'm at right now. And so like, for me, numbers don't mean a whole heck of a lot in that situation. It's for me, it's trying to get my mental game strong, or maybe I hop on a top rope on a grade that's incredibly difficult for me. And I'm like fairly certain I'm not going to be able to top it out, but topping it out or flashing it or sending it is not going to be the focus for me. It's wow, I was able to get that one move that's only three moves off the ground down. That felt really good. Or I climbed something and I'm like, that was a new movement. That was a new body position. And I was able to make it work. Or I am stuck at this one part of a climb and I was able to like make it through that section after having to rest and hang for like three or four times. For me, it can be a lot more of those micro goals. Um, And it's also very highly personal. So like for me, of course, like it would be great to, you know, reach a certain grade at a certain time, but it's not the end all be all for me. It's just one of a multitude of things that make me feel good climbing. And again, a lot of it is, did I meet one of like my mental, emotional 
goals for the day? Was I able to tie in and climb having a lot of fear and trepidation? Was I able to actually realize that I was enjoying climbing during today? If I was able to do that, then I feel like I'm doing a good job. And for me, a lot of like the improvement that I can feel and see is if I'm able to do specific movements or hop on something that I know is going to be really hard. And in that moment, I'm having fun and it feels good. And my body is able to execute some moves that maybe I was doubting myself on before. So it's less about the bigger grade picture to me, for me. And a lot of times that I try to encourage other people or my clients to look at too is like, wow, you kept going. And, or maybe like you're afraid of heights and you showed up and you climbed today. Um, So there's just so many other ways that it can be looked at. There's so many other things that can be so enjoyed through climbing that I want people to be able to see and experience those things instead of this constant pull towards like, you didn't send that. You didn't send this grade that maybe you've sent before. Like, this is your big project. There's a lot of other amazing things to be taken away from it. I'm so glad that you shared that. I really appreciate it because, yeah, there are so many other things that we can focus on. And I mean, as a business owner and for any business owners listening, like this is really relatable in business because we expect that our growth and our progress is just going to go like up, 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 up Mm -hmm. all the time. And if that's your expectation, I mean, it will run out at some point and things will become challenging or stagnant. So you do have to really challenge yourself to find those micro wins Or maybe it's not even more of like tangible, oh, I'm making more money. I've gotten more clients this month. It's how am I approaching these things and how is my relationship with my business? Exactly. There's, There's just, to me, it almost seems like you're doing yourself a disservice too. If you're not like embracing and enjoying all these other things that climbing can give you and it's never going to be linear. And so if I think you're mostly looking at your progress or things that you're enjoying about climbing from a very performance-based linear improvements like set of mind, then you're going to eventually hit a point where things feel very stuck and very disappointing. Um, And it can be really hard to climb out of those ruts. And so for me, like even a long-term goal is like, as long as I am still enjoying and loving climbing and it's something that I want to do to not quit. That's just like a big macro goal for me beyond like being able to, you know, send 512 one day outdoors. On the other side of that, it's like, I just want to be able to keep climbing for as long as I possibly can. And that keeps, and you know, and that's in a like holistic grouping with strength training because that helps me keep climbing for as long as I can. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so I've got kind of a random question because I know that you're a foodie. Yes. What, What is your favorite thing that you've eaten recently? Oh my God. Okay. Ooh. Okay. I love food so much. <laughs> I know. I love when you post food. Cause I'm like, Oh, that looks so good. Oh yeah. Um, I, yeah, I definitely order out food more than I'm trying not to get down on myself about it, but I just love ordering out and eating delicious things. Uh, so something that I really enjoy eating is there's this amazing restaurant called Lawn City that's in Ann Arbor and they do hand pulled and knife peeled noodle dishes Mm. and it's absolutely incredible so I had Dan Dan noodles for the first time anywhere 
from them recently and it was absolutely delicious. But I am also at my sister's right now and she is one of the best cooks that I know. And so dinner today was absolutely delicious. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I I don't think I've tried Dan Dan noodles. So I, I'm putting that on my list for things to try. So good. I love it. Okay, so where can people connect with you, learn more about you? Where do you hang out on social media? My Instagram handle is at Emma on the mat. My name is spelled E-M-M-A. And I mostly do a lot of my social media now through Instagram. Um, and in like the link of my bio on Instagram, um, it'll take you to a link tree. And from there, it'll go to like my little baby MailChimp website, um, my mailing list. And um, the most important thing is probably my client application form. And I am as always completely open to receiving client applications from anybody who wants to work with me. And I am local to the Ann Arbor area in Michigan. So if people are interested in learning more about me, then they can totally reach out to me there. I love it. I will be sure to link all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Emma, for coming on the show. This was such a great conversation. And I think everybody that's listening is really going to love it. Huge thank you to Emma for coming on the show and sharing her knowledge and expertise with us. I feel so, so lucky to have her in my circle and to have worked with her for as long as I have. So proud of Emma and how far that she's come in her business. And I know that this is just the start. So if you want to connect further with Emma, I will link it in the show notes. You can connect with her on Instagram or on her website. If you loved this episode, be sure to share it on Instagram. This will also enter you for the weekly Oracle card giveaway. All you got to do is tag me. I'm at expand with Chelsea. You can also tag Emma. She is at Emma on the mat. And we absolutely love being able to see what resonated with you from the show, what you're loving, what you want more of. If you haven't yet left a rating and a review, go ahead and go to iTunes, leave your rating, leave a review. It only takes a couple of minutes and it is a really easy way to spread the love. I appreciate it so, so much. Thank you for listening and I will talk to you next episode. Thank you.